This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. I've just got a, a little message for us tonight about money. Um, so, let me just get straight into it. Uh, this, these are some little screen grabs from my news, news app today. These are the top six articles in the news today. I didn't, didn't just pick the ones that suited my sermon. I just went on. Clip them, pop them in there. Uh, you can read the head... I hope you can read the headlines. You probably can't read the, like... I don't know. How good are your eyesight? Can you read any of that? How are we going? Um, what do you notice about the news today? Are there any kind of, like, themes there? Common kind of bits that jump out at you? Maybe think about what the sermon's about tonight. Um, three out of six feature money as kind of a key element of the story. Our world revolves around money like a lot of the time. We think about money, money kind of defines people or society at large. Uh, That first story there on the left uh, is about Qantas. You know, Qantas is a big corporation. It's a big part of the Australian corporate landscape, as they call it, and it's in big financial trouble. And so that is a big story. That's story number one on my news app today. Uh, You know, that that one in the middle there is about the economy. Uh, There's always a story about the economy in the news. Uh, This one's something to do with the Reserve Bank. Um, And talking about how having a strong economy is vital. You know, it makes Australia... A good place if it has a good economy. That's what the article is saying. And that third one uh, is about this poor woman who bought a caravan for 75 grand and it turns out it was a dud caravan but no one cared um, or something like that. I only skim read the article. You can read the details yourselves. The point is that right there in the headline is the amount of money she bought the caravan for. Like that's important in the story. It could just say woman buys dud caravan and no one will help her, but they had to say how much she paid for the caravan. And the more she paid, the more outrageous the situation because we define the value with dollars, right? That's how the world works. It's just normal. Uh, We kind of just take all this stuff for granted. It's kind of everywhere. It's always in your face. Um, That money is a big, big deal. Money is really important in our society and in our lives, uh, even as individuals. How much money you have in your bank account matters to you. How much you earn if you have a job or how much pocket money you get if you get pocket money, like that matters. Uh, How much you can afford to spend of your money, that matters. We think about money, we worry about money, We chase after money, we protect our money, we count the cost of everything in dollars. We love money, which is unfortunate because Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God 
and be enslaved to money. Ouch. If you love money, you can't love God. And if you say you love God, then you shouldn't be loving your money. It's a big deal, isn't it? That hits pretty hard. What he's saying is a true follower of Jesus doesn't care about money the same way that a non-Jesus follower might. So how do you feel about money? Do you love it? Are you a, a, a lover of money? Do you serve it? Do you revolve your decision-making and your life around getting money or spending money? In the lead-up to this statement, Jesus actually tells this crazy story. It's wild, it's challenging, it's difficult. In fact, uh, one of my favorite New Testament theologians, a guy called Leon Morris, says, this is notoriously one of the most difficult parables to interpret. So with that in mind, we're going to quickly have a read uh, and interpret it without too much trouble. Uh, If you want to read along, uh, it's in Luke 16... I'm on the wrong page. Luke 16, 1 to 8 is what we're reading. I'm reading the New Living Translation. It says this. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, What's this I hear about you? Get your final report in order because you are going to be fired. So the rich man has made a fatal mistake at this moment. He doesn't know that yet, but he's given his employer a window of opportunity, a time frame. He's not just fired him on the spot. He said, I want you to get your books all organized, and then you can see yourself out. So says Jesus. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who'll give me a home when I'm fired. So, he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? And the man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. Now, that sounds pretty dodgy. I mean, it is. I'm not going to lie. I've labeled the parable the parable of the dodgy manager. He's being dodgy. But scholars think that what's going on here is that the lender, the, the, the boss who's lending money to people, is, is probably only lent this guy the equivalent of 400 gallons and then he's charged the extra 400 on the top as an interest payment. And so what this dodgy manager is doing is basically saying, forget about interest on the loan, let's just cross that out and you just have to pay back the principal. Keep that in mind, that'll be important in a second. Anyway, <clears throat> Jesus goes on, he says, and how much do you... Oh, my employer, he asked the next man. 
I own 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. So again, he's removing the, the interest payments from the loan. Now, here's the fun part. In those days, unlike today, in those days, it was illegal to lend money with interest. If you lent money to someone, you were just giving them that money to borrow, and they would give it back again, as it is. No interest on top. It's weird to us, because like, anytime you borrow money now, you pay interest, even if it's the, like, with the apps and things, let alone if it's with a bank. Everything has interest payments. But in those days, interest was illegal. And so, the tricky thing that this dodgy manager is doing is he's saying, let's just get rid of the interest payment and make it so you just have to pay back the amount you borrowed. Because he knows that if his boss intervenes in this situation and says, I'm going to take you to court, he's got no leg to stand on. He can't go to the court and say, you were supposed to pay me 1,000 bushels of wheat for the 800 you borrowed, because the judge is going to go, uh, you can't do that. And he's stuck. It's clever. So, says Jesus, here's the end of the story. The rich man had to admire that dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. It's a weird parable, isn't it? Normally in these parables that Jesus tells, there's a good guy... There's like someone in the parable who represents Jesus and other people in the parable who might represent his disciples. And, and maybe there's some dodgy types there too uh, who might represent, you know, the, the people who oppose Jesus. But this parable is just full of dodgy people. <laughs> there's no good guys going on. Uh, the, the rich man is dodgy because he's lending with interest, which was illegal. The manager is dodgy because he's wasting his employer's money at the start, and then he goes and does this sneaky deal with all of the people who owe money. The debtors, I guess they got lucky. They're, they're not really the main characters, though, are they? So what, what, what is Jesus getting at? Why does he tell this weird parable uh, that, as Leon Morris says, is notoriously difficult to understand? Well, actually, Jesus tells us. I don't know what Leon Morris's problem is. Jesus tells us uh, exactly what's going on. He, he gives the point of the parable straight after. <clears throat> he says this. It is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than, they, than are the children of light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone... They will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? What he's saying uh, is kind of crazy. <laughs> He's not saying, my followers should be poor. Don't have anything to do with any kind of money. Money is the root of evil. You should have nothing to do with it. Some people have, have taken it that way. Uh, I don't think he's saying that. He's not not saying that. You know, there's nothing wrong with being poor. 
He's just saying money isn't worth much. It's just not that big a deal. Don't get obsessed with it. Don't think it's really, really important because it's not. When the world tells you that money is the most important thing, when the world tells you that money is the thing with which we measure everything of any value, that's a lie, according to Jesus. He's saying there are other things that are worth more than money. A good society is not necessarily a society with a good economy. A good caravan isn't one that you got for less than 75 grand. Money isn't the thing. And he says, one day, every dollar you've made and every nice thing you own will be gone. So don't hoard it. Don't hold on to it. Don't crave it and don't be possessive. Spend it. Give it away. Because actually, it's not yours to begin with. And that's probably why people find this parable confusing. Because he's not saying, be like the, the dodgy manager. Do you notice that? His, his point is not be dishonest like that dodgy guy. It's actually the opposite. He's saying, look at this dodgy manager. He knew that it was most important in that moment of crisis in his life where he was about to be fired, but he had a little bit of warning. He knew he had a window of opportunity to get something more important than money. If that dodgy guy could work that out, how much more should you, you followers of Jesus, be able to figure that out? For him, the more important thing was somewhere to sleep a home where they would welcome him in. So he made friends with all the people who'd been ripped off by his boss, hoping that they would then be on his side and look after him. For us, it's not just a home for tomorrow night, it's an eternal home. That's what should make us value money less. There's other things worth more than money. You see that last phrase there? says, if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Whose things are we being trusted with? Actually, I don't love this translation where it says other people's things, because uh, it kind of implies that it's many other people's things, uh, and that's probably not actually what Jesus is getting at. He's saying that the things that we think are ours belong to another who's not us. Not other people, but God. The things that we think are our own are actually God's things. God has trusted you with the job that you have. God has trusted you with the money that you've earned in that job. God has trusted you with the possessions that you call your own. Everything belongs to him. The house we have, the car we have, the Xbox we have, whatever it is, it's not yours, it's his. That bank balance, that's not yours. God has entrusted it to you. So then it would be crazy, wouldn't it, 
to become a slave to your stuff or to your money? Like, why would you serve the thing that the God of the universe has entrusted to you to look after and use well? It's not your boss. He is. It's just yours temporarily. So he says, buy things with it that really matter. Use it to gain friends, as Jesus puts it. Spend it on other people. Now, the dodgy manager's boss didn't want that money spent on other people. But our boss does. God wants us to be generous. And to be fair and to be trustworthy and to be faithful. Not to be dodgy. To do good with our money and our possessions. So, I guess that's where I want to come into land. Whatever you have, whether it's money or possessions, whatever you own, be free with it. Let it go. Be okay with losing it or giving it away. It's not yours in the first place. And it's certainly not yours to keep. See if you can find a way to honour God with it. That doesn't always mean giving it to church. It can be giving it to charity. It can be spending it to make the world a better, more beautiful place. So examine your heart. Am I serving my money? Or am I serving God with my money? Do I love God or do I love the things he's given me? This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.